0: My guest on this episode of Drill to Detail is Tugdal Graal, a name some of you from the Oracle world might recognize, uh, and who's now at MapR, working alongside Niraja from MapR, who came on the show a couple of months ago, to talk about uh, Drill and MapR's analytics strategy. So Tug, nice to speak to you again after so many years, and welcome to the show.
1: So thank you to, uh, for the invitation, and uh, yes, uh, nice and quick introduction and. Uh, remind me old memories from uh, our Oracle time, because I left Oracle 10 years ago to move to an open source uh, market working at ExoPlatform, so a startup around the open source portal and social uh, network for the enterprise. But after a few years doing the role of CTO in a startup, I choose to... Move back to my roots, uh, meaning I want to talk to developer. I want my user to to be the developer that will use my product to build application. And I move. I was looking for a new opportunity, and I moved to NoSQL. Spent a little bit of time at coachbase then MongoDB, and for a little less than two years now, I am working as a techn- technical evangelist for Europe at Mapa. And what brings me to, uh, to MAPR is big data. Uh, and you know, it's a very vague and very large uh, scope, but uh, what was very exciting to me, uh, it was when I was working on NoSQL back in uh, 2012 and 13, most of the jobs that you have to do when you were processing a very large amount of data, or when you have to integrate multiple data sources and so on, we have to move the data out of the NoSQL database to something else. It would be any Hadoop distribution or MAPA to store more data, process more data. This is why I switched to uh, this uh, fantastic world uh, two years ago.
0: Okay, okay. So, so Tug, what I wanted to talk to you about really was uh, when I, when we had the podcast episode with Niraja, we talked about drill and analytics and, 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 and that kind of world really. But I think what's particularly interesting with, with MAPR is, is some of the choices that MAPR made over the technology you use and some of the proprietary parts of what you do and I guess where you've sort of diverged from kind of open source Hadoop and so on and given the background you've got and the fact we know each other from the Oracle world I thought it'd be interesting I suppose to sort of drill into some of those kind of like products in the in the, in the in the kind of stack you've got and try and understand from a developer's perspective um, you know what's different uh, and, and potentially kind of yeah you know, what's better about the way you do things and and so on so um let, let's start off initially, uh Tug, by just for anybody that doesn't know the MapR stack, um just kind of you know paint a picture really of of, of, of what a kind of the platform looks like and, and some of the key products in there and then we'll drill into some of the detail of those um in a moment.
1: Yeah, so uh the, the product that we 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 build and we sell is called Mapper Converge Data Platform, and I think this name Converge uh, or this adjective Converge is very important. The convergence of data into a single platform. This is why we have built, and the engineering team, and the vision of the company has been has been focusing provide the best data platform to build any type of application, and for this you have to do, You have to make some choice. How do you store the data? How do you organize the data? So, and also, how do you ingest, consume, process the information? Something that was clear when Mapper was built in 2009, it was really that for big data, the Hadoop ecosystem was the way to go. And, but looking at the Hadoop ecosystem, something was not good enough, at least based on the vision of the founder of Mapart it's the file system HDFS. It's not a file system. It's a simple storage allowing you to store very very large file uh, undo, put, and do put on get. But what if you want to store very very uh, a large amount of small file? What if you want to modify your file that is on a distributed file system? It's not possible with Hadoop. It's not made for that. So the idea was initially to build this very powerful file system, allowing to store any type of file, small or big, with the same characteristic in terms of replications, data locality that you can have in the Hadoop ecosystem, but providing more uh, infrastructure layer, like a different security security model, uh, a more efficient replication between nodes, a powerful replication between cluster. So everything that I said, On the file system, it's transparent for any developer. Not talking about Hadoop developers, not talking about big data developers, but when you work on your laptop, when you develop on your laptop, when you develop on the cloud, you open a file, you save it. You don't care where it is. You expect it to be very efficiently stored, replicated if possible. This is exactly what the file system gives to you. And a very important part, and I will come back about proprietary versus open source. A very important part is what the developer needs to know to work on Mapa. nothing special. We leverage open source as an API. What we will say is we contribute to open source. Drill is a good example. We have also contributors in other ecosystem, Hadoop ecosystem component. But we also want to be sure that the APIs that developers use to work with data run the, uh, efficiently on the Mapper platform. So if you are a Spark developer, you will run with Spark. If you are a MapReduce developer, you work with MapReduce, and you will consume the data from the Mapper platform transparently. So for the developer, it's transparent.
0: Okay. Okay. So. So. I guess, you know, we're talking about the MAPR kind of file system here and, and how, I guess, you've uh, the, you know, the technology you've got and the approach you took allows you to, as you say, <clears throat> have small files as well as large files, et cetera, et cetera, you know, do uh, updates and so on. So if we look back to, I guess, Google file system and the, and, and the kind of genesis of, of, of you know, HDFS and so on. Um, you know, the, the choices that they took and they, they kind of the, the optimizations they went for and and the, and, and the so on were because they kind of had to, you know. So, it, it, you know, you had to kind of have big files and big blocks and so on there to do what they were going to do and so on. So how how did MapR manage to have the performance of, of, say, Google File System and HDFS but still have this ability to, you know, to update data, to have small files and so on? How, how did it manage to do that? I mean, what, what's different about the approach you've got that allows?
1: So... I, I think it's really. Uh, I was not at the foundation uh, at the foundation of MAPAR, so I will based on this is based on our history on DNA that we we get into our body when we join the company. So it's it's um, the founder of uh, MAPAR come from different backgrounds. They they used to work uh, Srivas uh, used to work for example on pure storage. Uh, he works for uh, NetApp. Uh, then he moved to Google, working on, uh, uh, on MapReduce, on file system, on, on BigTable, and so on. So he has this very serious enterprise storage background, but also very advanced on new vision of the data processing on storage for large-scale, uh, large-scale uh, use case at Google. Uh, uh, so he really start to build with uh, as uh, different engineers. To build a file system from day one say let's take what i know and what works from an enterprise storage an enterprise scale storage where you need to be able to store any type of file have the replications and so on and so on but also keep the way Hadoop and, uh, distributed processing layer are working at the top level to make it more that efficient so for example Uh, uh, Back then, everybody knows that the name node of uh, HDFS is a challenge, or at least was a big challenge for many users. It was uh, more or less a a SPOF, a single point of failure. Historically, it was also the way the replication is done inside uh, HDFS with the same size of blocks for the replication between nodes, where you read the data, the way you organize the chunks and so on. Where, for example, uh, mapper FS doesn't use a name node. We have a context of a container location database that is a transactional distributed system that uh, have uh, addresses not of file but addresses of containers that contains addresses of files. So we have an indirection allowing us to scale better, allowing us to have more files, so more addresses, more small file, and so on. And this database this CLDB, Container Location Database, is by nature, by day one, it has been built to be distributed. So it was not distri- unreplicated, uh, uh, replicated. So it's not the case, for example, of, um, of the name node initially. Also, you have different size of blocks, different block size in the file system to make it very efficient. What you want, you want to have a very large CLDB with multiple gigabytes to address file very, very fast. You want to have a very efficient block when you read the data, so you have a 260, uh, by default, 256 megabytes, gigabyte, sorry. No, no, uh, megabyte. Uh, Block size, when you read the data, when you want to do, for example, a Spark job that have to read large files, you will use this block size but because you want to be able to update, modify a file, create a small file, when you replicate the data between nodes for uh, high availability, so we, when you redo re- the replication between nodes inside the cluster, with a default uh, replication factor of three, you can choose how many replicas you, do you want. This side, it's only eight K, eight kilobyte, to make it very, very efficient. So all these together, because it has been from designed from day one to be an efficient file system, a real file system allowing any type of operation that you know from a, st- a file system. This is why we are successful. Uh, we are we were able to succeed on this. And also, it's an. Imp- and this is where you you we see the proprietary side, proprietary side of the software. Everything that is touching the file system is written in C and C++. Not in Java. Everything is so a very, with a very fast, efficient access to the hardware, uh, to the type of disk you have. So we have a different way of storing data, or at least doing the IOs when you use a very fast SSD drive compared with a classical drive and so on. So all this make it more efficient. And this is our, this is our uh, um, uh, intellectual properties. We have a patent ones where we organise the content, on the files, and so on.
0: Okay, okay. So, so would it then be would it then be yarn and, and MapReduce and, and Spark and so on running on top of that the normal kind of open source one, or is it a particular kind of variant variant of that from you guys that's proprietary?
1: No, so so, so uh, only the, the way we organise and store the data is proprietary. The way you access the data is based on the open source way of doing stuff. For example, I have talk a lot about the file system, and we will talk about the other component, but you will see that it's coming naturally to that. How do you access the files in Hadoop? You access the file using HDFS command. HDFS put, HDFS get, HDFS, on, uh, I don't, LS on, uh, ls and so on. All these command, HDFS command, are compliant and works on MAPA. And so everything that has been built, a uh, MapReduce job uh, where Yarn will look for the location of the, of the data to do uh, dynamic allocations, for example, will work exactly the same way. Because for us, you have the file system and you have multiple protocol or multiple API to access the file system. One of them is HDFS. And this is made for... To, to migrate or use the same code that you have into a, a Hadoop standard project and run it on MapR, But most of the time, what people will do, they will directly access MAPAR using an NFS mount point or what we call our uh, POSIX client or the FUSE client that has allow you on a edge nodes that need to process or read the data to have a very, very efficient uh, access to the information using standard IOs. So you can connect to the cluster, do LS, put uh, uh, VI, uh, modify your file, and immediately refresh it. So because we use open source as an API, when we expose the data out of our system, but all the open source API or open source frameworks that are running at the top will run the same way, if not more efficient, in a more efficient manner, depending of uh, the type of job you do.
0: Okay, so so I mean, in a tangible, I mean, we'll get on to kind of map our you know DB and streams in a second, but in a tangible way, what what does this mean as a benefit for a developer and a customer? So I get I get that it's probably more efficient and it's more scalable and, and so on. What does it mean for the customers that are actually using this? Because you've got quite a few, you know, so, what do they get out of it?
1: Yeah. So so you have the so, um, what we have to keep in mind before answering the developer questions is. MAPR from a pure ops point of view, from an infrastructure point of view, is usually a lot more efficient. For the same use case, on, and let, let's talk about a Hadoop use case when you do Hive, MapReduce, and all this. For the same use case, you can you may need 30% less physical because we are more efficient to manipulate the data. Also, it's easier to make it very highly available and so on. So this is the ops side. Uh, for the developer, first of all, if will not change anything. So this is one thing. However, it's changing in the way you want to build application. Suppose you want to uh, ingest log file into your file system. So, you know, you have many web servers and you want to take the log file and push them into the file system because you will use that to do some job with Spark or job with uh, uh, analytics with this SQL or MapReduce and so on. Usually in the Hadoop way of doing it, you will have Flume on this kind of job that will take the file uh, partially and they will aggregate the file to create very large files that you push into HDFS. So you can take the same data flow into MapR and it will work. So is it totally transparent for developers? But in the same way, it's a lot more easier uh, with MapR because usually what people will be doing, they will simply directly use NFS uh, a, multi, uh, a mount point on your uh, web server that generates a log, saves the log directly into the cluster. So you will simplify the ingestion process on the data flow to ingest the information into the cluster with MAPA. So this is a simplification for the developer. Besides that, all the Hadoop APIs, the Spark API, the SQL with Drill, or Hive will work the same way. Uh, the, the way security works will be also based on Kerberos, so the configurations on the way you authenticate to the cluster will be similar to what they know already. Another little part that uh, is, it, is interesting for developers, if you want to manipulate the files, you don't need to use the HDFS API, just you as a Java developer, Java IO API and save the file into the cluster. It will be automatically saved into a distributed file system.
0: Okay. Okay. So, so let, let's talk about, um, uh, MapRDB because I think, uh, Niraja mentioned it at the time when we did the call before. Um, so I, I take it MapRDB is a similar thing to say kind of, uh, uh, you know, HBase and, 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 it's a, it's a NoSQL database. So tell us a bit about MapRDB. Again, you know, what's the history of it and, and what problems it's solving really?
1: So, so, um, One of the key elements is uh, the more we do uh, application today, months after months, more you have to deal with real-time data, real-time applications, interactive applications. So this is one of the reasons inside the Hadoop, you have, for example, uh, you have a NoSQL database called HBase, a very successful database, but uh, it's based on HDFS. So we had some flow in terms of uh, compaction of the data, the way you scale out and so on. So MAPR chose to implement its own NoSQL database. The so first step was in MAPR 4 was to use MapRDB binary, what we call MapRDB binary. This is a NoSQL database columnar format, columnar-oriented uh, NoSQL database that uses the HBase API. So same for the developer, it's transparent. So you will be able to use an database uh, on tables that are oriented uh, by column that is based directly on the file system. So everything we said about scalability uh, efficiency will be exactly the same with MapperDB binary. And in addition to that, uh, last year or uh, end, um, end of 2015, we added MapperDB JSON, so using the same engine, using the same file system, everything is part as soon as you install MAPR, you have the file system, you have the database available. You don't have product to install, it's running on the same engine, it's running on the same binaries. You have MapRDB uh, JSON, that is a document-oriented database uh, that will use the same, uh, that is using the same scalability scheme and uh, that you have with uh, the file system but using a document-oriented database, allowing you to store JSON and manipulate JSON document in an efficient way. And what you have seen with Niraja last time is you can query files, you can query MapperDB binary, so or edge base, and you can you can query MapRDB JSON using Drill on doing SQL analytics. And and once again, so this is a very important part for developers, because developers will need to manipulate data and do some updates, do some manipulations, aggregations, uh, 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 increment, decrement some value and so on, modify uh, on the fly the structure of the data because the way, let's take for example, in an insurance company, a policy for a car, a policy for a home, a policy for healthcare may have characteristics that are equivalent like the the policy ID, the name, address of the customer and so on. But many, many things are totally different from one contract to another because you don't represent the same data. So NoSQL engine is very useful for that. This is a flexible schema. It's something that many application needs. Then you need, in the context of uh, large data, a large project with lot of data, you need the scalability and the reliability. This is where MapperDB binary and MapperDB and will help the developers and will help the ops guy
0: okay okay so so and there's also i see there's a product called MapR streams and and, and streaming uh you know streaming ingestion stream processing that's a massively kind of uh, hot area at the moment and so on so again you know why why did MapR create its own kind of streams product uh what again what what problem is it solving and 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 and, and what's the kind of story behind it really
1: so um it's the same story as a file system on the on the database, and I will say and I, for example, and I will I will answer this question about stream in two-step. Some things that I didn't mention about MapperDB, if you take a traditional Hadoop environment, if you want to have Edgebase running a very intensive workload with very lot of queries and response and real time and modification of the data, And in the same time, you want to use your Hadoop cluster to do some large analytics with MapReduce. Most of the time, what you have to do, what you must do, you need to create two clusters. One cluster to run HBase, one cluster to run your MapReduce jobs or your analytics on the file system, for example. With MapRDB, you can run that on the same cluster. You have many configuration you can do in the way you will do multi-tenancy of the data, tagging of the nodes, and so on. So you have in a single cluster that is easy to administer and easy to secure, running operational analytics job with no SQL database and file system. For the same reason, if you look at the streaming part, what you need from an application, you want to simply stream messages into the platform and be able to not only move the data from one place to another, but also do some processing. For example, with Spark or with Flink, uh, you want to be able to process uh, these messages, but also emit, so uh, uh, publish new messages as a result. For the same reason, we said, we don't want people to have to install another cluster on the side to be able to stream data in and out. Because a common practice, is to use Kafka and create a Kafka cluster, meaning connect the Kafka cluster to ZooKeeper, have multiple brokers, configure the replications, and so on. So the idea was for the same reason we create MapperDB binary with the HBase API, let's leverage the Mapper capabilities of having an easy installation, an efficient storage, replications between nodes in an efficient way in real time, but also multi-master Replication between multi- multiple clusters and multiple geos, but do that for your streamings, do that for your streams, for your messages. So, but using the Kafka API because what we want with Mapa, we don't want when it's possible, we don't want to invent to invent a new API. It doesn't make sense. You have so many good API and good programming models that has been built by the open source community. So what we do we leverage this API, and we simply change the way you discuss with a, with a broker. We don't have broker in the sense you are saving data, sending data to the cluster. Same API, same concept in the way you build your applications, but at runtime, the way it's executed, so way the data are saved, replicated, sent uh, are different. So in the case of Stream, you have few few interests um, at least we can j- directly explain uh, in in a, in very short sentences. One of them will be the speed, the, the scalability, the latency, and so on. So uh, if you have multiple millions of messages per second, uh, uh, Mapper Stream will be a lot more efficient and more easier to manage than uh, uh, Kafka itself. But uh, like, I like I like to say quite often with a, a smile uh, on my face, it's if every project has to send one or t- uh, 10 or 20 million messages per second, Mapper will be everywhere. It's not, a, not everybody needs this scale in terms of, uh, term of messaging, but everybody needs a better security model that is shared between the database, the file system, and the topics you have into uh, your, your, um, your strings or your messaging layer. Because you don't want to have, in one case, use an SSH key, uh, an SSL key, and the other, you want to use a Kerberos ticket to authenticate and to say, I can access or not this part of the data. So a common security model is one of the benefits. Another benefit is the fact that you don't have multiple clusters, but also you want to be able, and we see that in a more and more common way in the IoT, uh, we have customers in oil and gas industry, for example, and you have uh, drills all over uh, multiple uh, plant and you want to be able to capture messages, send the messages on the local cluster, for example, in a region that we need to replicate the same message on a national uh, cluster then on a worldwide uh, cluster. Doing that with uh, Kafka, it's not that easy because you need to install Mirror maker, configure this, monitor this and plus also you are losing the offset of the various consumer uh, over the different uh, replication, where it's totally built in into uh, Mapa. So you can publish and subscribe on any of the cluster and it will replicate in the both directions between the different clusters, the same way the database could be used as a, a multi-master between uh, different clusters. So you see, it's the same API, same developer experience, but usually a lot easier to put in production and do uh, the configuration between the different components you want to work with.
0: Okay. Okay. So, 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 what we've been talking about is is effectively MapR doing things kind of the same but better than, than than things already in the platform. But I noticed that looking at your website and looking at some of the the white papers from from uh, from uh, MapR, you talk a lot about microservices, and, and microservices seems to be a, a kind of increasingly kind of you know topical kind of interesting area to do with kind of Hadoop and big data and so on. So, so, t- tell us a little bit about what microservices are and why they're important in this context and why uh, map are, are kind of putting a lot of investment and time into this
1: yes so you see this um, you probably have seen many uh, many uh, talk about that already but uh, on my, microservices, it's a different way of building applications uh, we were talking about uh, in the past a big monolithic application on and you and me, we work at a good time of the big Java EE development. So where you build a big, the big ear files that contain multiple WAR file, and so on, and so on. This was a big monolithic application that was very, very hard to uh, uh, to, to make uh, new updates, and new features, or remove features, or change technology. Suppose you want to. Uh, to be able to, let's say, the user profile in my database, my application user profile, I want to switch from a relational database to a document database because I need schema flexibility. Doing that in a monolith monolith application, it's a nightmare. And startups, big startups like Netflix, uh, uh, started to build uh, applications in a new way by building very small services that are very dedicated to one single uh, 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 thing that they will do from end-to-end, creation of your user profile. The creation of user profile will be not only the UI, the REST API, but also the storage itself of the profile. And it will communicate with other services using messages. By having having all these small services communicating together, so this is what we call microservices communicating together will allow you to build very large application, um, more, a large set of services. But if you want to upgrade a specific version of one of the services, if you want to change the technology of one of the services, if you want to be able to test a new service in parallel, suppose you are in the e-commerce platform and you want to test a new, pay, a new, pay, a new payment page. So, you know, you have your V1 with a very nice UI with a credit card on PayPal integration. and so you want to test something else. You just create a new service that is plugged using the same messages, and you can do some maybe A/B testing between the two versions of the service, and then you can remove one, decommission one of them, uh, in a very easy, very easy uh, uh, way. Uh, so, what we see at Mapa is people need a platform where it's easy to deploy, and uh, because we can run multiple services or multiple pa- type of application you can run at the top of Mapper most of your microservices because you will be able to use, uh, you can even run MySQL on the Mapper file system. You can store data on files on the file system. You can use a NoSQL database and so on. So each services could store the data in a single platform. When I say single platform, it's not necessarily on the same location physically, but it's to be able to leverage all the securities the replications that you have because you want to be sure you have the same quality of services for the old data, data uh, stores. And also what we see on most, uh, one of the way of deploying microservices, it's using a Docker container. You will create a new uh, service that is uh, uh, user profile management that will save data, for example, in the NoSQL database. So in this case, you deploy the container containing a very small small Java applications, so either a J- Embedded Jetty or Vertex, whatever you want to use that communicate with JSON, for example. And this is your microservices running at the top of MapA. The container itself is running, could be deployed, redeploy, and so on. And every time you need, the, mes- the different services needs to communicate between them. When you have many hundreds of m- m- microservices, you need a very efficient messaging technology. And this is where Mapper streams with using the so using the Kafka API could be used to exchange messages between the different services. And this is why we see uh, microservices being very important for us, uh, for our customer, on why the Converged Data Platform can help. And we have a few customers doing that. We have, for example, a customer in healthcare providing a software as a service on the cloud uh, uh, to allow the doctors and patients to get some information about the different uh, step in the when you have some uh, health uh, health process to do, and they use only microservices, everything running on Mapper Converged Data Platform, uh, using container to deploy new services. So this is very easy way of developing application. It, it comes with some new challenges, you know, in terms of how do you manage errors, how do you, because you have to do kind of a compensation, so redoing uh, some uh, uh, business transaction, not, not talking about the database transaction, but really the business side of it, so you have to capture events. So all this, usually you will see in the microservices application, multiple uh, topics uh, inside MapperStream or Kafka to not only exchange business messages, but also uh, emit or publish many technical information about uh, SLAs, quality of service exceptions like that. You can monitor that in real time. And for this, you need something very efficient in terms of processing and storage.
0: And I guess that's I guess that's the reason why you guys can implement this, because the, the obvious question is, well, what is it that's special about the MapR platform and the way you do things that meant that you could introduce this? Because I think MapR is the first of the Hadoop, in quotes, vendors to focus on this. Is there something particular about the way you do things or the end-to-end control you've got over the platform that meant you could do this earlier than others, really?
1: So, so Yes, and on 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 I will say the main, to make it very short as an answer for you, for, for for people, it's usually we are the first platform uh, that has be, that has been built on Hadoop initially, but that was built from real ta- from first day to deal with real time uh, data store, uh, real time data stores and application. Uh, if you look at the other solution, you need another cluster or you need to to bring another tool. Uh, so what we try to do is provide that in a kind of all in one. Uh, so this is why we call about the convergence. Uh, but we don't want to for and this is an important part is you have you can use other tools with Mapa. you can use everything on Mapa. you can use have tools that have nothing to do with Kafka, nothing to do with Spark, nothing to do with NoSQL. Uh, it's okay. We want just to make sure that if you are running on Mapa, it will be easier for the developer and the system administrator it will be also faster uh, if you use the features that we provide inside the, the platform. So faster, more reliable, more secure.
0: Okay, okay. So, so I mean, just in terms of the sort of final thing to talk about with you, I mean, a, a topic that's been fairly consistent in a lot of the podcasts I've been doing recently and, and things I've been talking about is, I suppose, as, as Hadoop and cloud and data warehousing kind of converge, uh, I, I wonder um, to what extent we'll be thinking about kind of the I suppose um, things like MapR and Hadoop and on-premise and so on. Uh, when actually customers are now buying things like kind of a, you know, data warehouses as a service, an area that a product I've been working with a lot recently is, is Google BigQuery, and and you know that's been quite a revelation in the fact that it abstracts away all the complexity around things like you know how, how the data is stored and and so on and so forth. I kind of wonder. Looking forward to as things move into the cloud, what's kind of MapR's position on this, and and how will MapR, I guess, still differentiate and be relevant and so on as we move into the cloud? People start to converge on vendors like Google and Amazon and so on. What what's the kind of story there around MapR going forward, really?
1: So 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 you you have two dif- you have two different topics in the question. One of them, when we talk about when you talk about BigQuery query on data warehouse. Uh, all uh, all big data vendors we are providing a SQL on Hadoop or SQL on everything uh, to be able to uh, either do a data warehouse offload to try to reduce the usage of very expensive data warehouse, not flexible data warehouse in a more uh, in a more flexible way. So this is exactly why you had the discussion with Niraja one drill, allowing you to query almost everything. Uh, and if you look at it from a drill point of view, it's based on Dremel, Dremel being the, the paper on the architecture behind big queries. So this is for the data warehouse. So yes, uh, we are part of this. This is one of the many use case you can run on MAPR. Then you have the discussion around the cloud. And, and it's, it, this one is a, it's a, it's a very interesting topic. Uh, and it depends wh- how we want to see it. Uh, sometimes what I say is, Uh, using BigQuery or using any other services as software as a service, big data software as a service kind of stuff from cloud vendors, you go into vendor locking. When you start to use uh, BigQuery and all the features of BigQuery, it's sometimes hard to move back. Just get back the data will be expensive. and Some of the features will be Google-centric. What we try to do from an API point of view, we try to make it uh, uh, open um, based on open source project. In the same time, we don't we do, we are not cloud vendor. We don't have Mapa as a service on the cloud, but you can deploy and we have images for all the cloud. So you can build your mapr cluster on Amazon, and Google Compute Engine, on Azure, uh, and leverage everything you want in terms of uh, feature available with uh, uh, with Mapa. So, if you want to do a data warehouse offload, you will be able to use a file system or the database and do some queries using Drill. But the big benefit in this case is if your enterprise is ready to put everything on the cloud, okay, and it does. The enterprise doesn't really care. And I say care, it's. I'm, I don't want to tell it's not safe or it's open. I think the clouds are very, very safe. But for example, you say. I don't want to put the data on, on Google and I want to be sure that my data are must stay uh, in a specific country. When you talk about healthcare, when you talk about private data, uh, you know, uh, user data, for example, in Europe, you have some um, G um I don't remember the, the new regulation around the Uh, the user data, you need to be sure the data are in a specific data center in a specific country. So one of the benefits of running MAPR on the cloud is you can still have a replication with a MAPR cluster running on-premise in your own infrastructure. And you will be able to replicate the data from one to another, applying some rules here. You say, I want to replicate only these tables or these streams, or this codon family into the table. So for example, all the public information that has been anon- anonymized from the on-premise cluster could be replicated automatically to the cloud. On here, you will have more nodes, more elasticity on, on Google, uh, mapper on Google or mapper on Amazon, depending on what you want to do. So uh, cloud is definitively a big part of what we see today. Uh, and. We have a balance between uh, people say we want to use really the cloud as a uh, data as a service kind of, kind of layer or big data as a service using some services from Azure, from Google directly, or they want to use MapR or other distribution installed into the cloud to have the liberty and the flexibility to move out of the cloud in a very efficient way.
0: Good. Excellent. Excellent. Well, Tug, I mean, so just to kind of wrap things up, really. um, So where would people uh, get hold of, Yeah, where would people download the software? How would they find out as a developer how to learn this technology? What what, what is the kind of equivalent in my old world of kind of OTN and and, and technology networks and so on for for MAPR?
1: So I would say you have three or four links. Uh, I don't remember how many links I will give you. Mm -hmm. This is why I said three or four. (laughs) So one of them that is, uh, I think it's interesting for everybody, people that want to learn MAPR, but also people that want to learn Drill, Spark, uh, uh, Hadoop in general, you go to learn.mapr.com. It's a free online training. Some training are specific to MAPR, but most of the trainings that are related to Apache Project have nothing to do uh, I have nothing specific except sometimes one message to say, this is how you will uh, run that on MAPAR. So learn.mapar.com will be for learning big data technology and learning map. Everything free, only the certification uh, is for a few bucks. Hmm. And uh, then you have obviously MAPAR.com, where you have some information. But uh, what I really like, it's to mappar.com slash blog, mm. where we push many articles on uh, industries, use case, technology, and community.mappar.com, that will be uh, similar. So the Mapper blog plus the community will be similar with our old OTM uh, website.
0: <laughs> yes, yes. Where you have
1: discussion forum, technical yeah. articles, in- interaction with the community. But also, uh, this is part of being uh, in a big open source family. Most of the drills, Spark, uh, uh, Hive, or even uh, Kafka, when we talk about architecture or design, most of the people will use the Apache, Apache mailing list
0: yeah excellent excellent so so well tug thanks very much for this um it's been great to speak to you again it's been quite a few years i think since we you worked as the oc4 jpm and i was trying to struggle to get oracle (laughs) 9is running and 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 so on there so i think we've probably both we've probably both kind of done well moving on from there uh, over time um it's it's been great to speak to you and um yeah appreciate that and have a good weekend and, and take care
1: same thank you